Like, what is too far in doing music? What, what, what is too far? Well, it's not such thing as too, too far, really, but too far away from people's ears, you know? I'm like, of course, when we're in the studio, we, we please ourselves first, and you know, um, I, like, I don't, I'm not like a pop writer, you know what I'm saying? But I do want everybody in the world to get a chance to listen to it, so, you know, I do keep that in consideration, most definitely. But that's after the fact, after we go in the studio and do our thing. We did something, you know, kind of separated just to show you all the, 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 the separate visions, but, I mean, it's still a group. The unity is still here, you know? I mean, sorry. They thought we were going to break up, but... Hey, it's Brandon. And it's David. Welcome to Late to the Party, a podcast where we investigate and break down the 1001 albums you must hear before you die. The 2016 <laughs> edition edited by Robert Dimery. You're so lucky. You get to listen to two friends grapple with that age-old question. What does it mean anyway? Here's a hint, folks. Nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Yeah, after listening to this album. Every week we'll <laughs> listen to an album from the list and break down why it's worth a listen, a purchase, or a pass. This week we're talking about number 940, Outcast Monstrous, and I mean that literally. Double album, The Speaker Box, The Love Below. Well, hello, Brandon. How's it going, How David? Are you? Oh, um, I'm doing you know, great. You know, I, I love this, um, this system we have here of uh recording these episodes whenever the hell we want yeah um or honestly whenever the hell we can is at this point more accurate um because you know like a successful podcast <laughs> on you know uh one that ours. makes such as ours we're, we're doing like a our own you know like double may care kind of uh, publishing style where we I do I like how you're dancing for people who yeah. will never see you have never it's seen for you dancing. it's always oh, for you me. it's Thanks. just for you yeah um in terms of how we you know whenever we get an album uh, an episode out we get an episode out um, yeah it's a boutique you know, podcast it, 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 yes oh we boutique I love, I love that we open it's, on Wednesdays yeah and we're only open for 30 minutes <laughs> during your lunch period and <laughs> and that's it you better get here and get back um so you what's know what I mean? like, like? it's oh <laughs> um oh my god i don't know is is anything new this is i mean i guess it's october now which is a great month for as me. of today right is, is it today as no, of today, it's the first it's the first of october uh what have you been listening to lately um well a couple of things which one should i talk about today mm. oh here we go you love this uh, I didn't realize, okay, so that video that was going around with that guy that was skateboarding uh, and drinking juice while, while uh, on the highway or whatever, and then singing Fleetwood Mac, Dreams, oh my god, it's, you should watch it, it's pretty great. He's doing uh, well. Okay, so I was, I was trying to follow you because I had no idea where you were going. Say that, say all of that one more time. He was singing, he was lip syncing Fleetwood Mac's Dreams, just like, it was perfect, it was a perfect he got like a bajillion views i don't know it was a while perfect, on uh, a skateboard yeah it looked like he's being pulled by a car <laughs> <on the highway. laughs> 
That's amazing. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so I was like, you know what? I haven't, I haven't, um, I, I listened to that, to that album, um, Fleetwood Mac's, um, Rumors? Rumors. Yeah. All the time. Like, not all the time. Okay, frequently. Yeah. And then I realized that on Apple Music, they had a 2001, which is a long time ago, but 2001 re, you know, remastering. And they did it again which, more recently. I guess, but I don't know what I, I had before, but I got the remastered version because I was like, I don't think I have yeah, that one. Yeah. And it sounds totally different. Like, noticeably good, different. Uh, yeah, it sounds great. Yeah. That's an album that I, that's, I'm sure is on this list. And I'm sure. Gold Dust Woman? Oh my God. Every, every song is good. Like no yeah. one does that Second except for like the Beatles. Every yeah, every song is good. So that's what I've been listening to. It's been great. The outro uh-huh. of "Go Your Own Way" alone is enough to make a bazillion dollars. That album is yeah. amazing. Yo, yeah, Mike Radke just heard that album for the first time all the way through this past weekend. I know, right? I've played I've played tracks for him a couple times, but he is sometimes averse to classic rock, and no, so that... he it's because he's stubborn and you know get it i'm stubborn i'm stubborn I, me all too. Kinds i get of it i totally get it but he heard stubborn it last like, episode yeah, it's, a, it's a really good album yeah uh how about you man what do you listen to well it's fall so usually I, I have tendencies and i tend to listen to ella fitzgerald during the fall and i tend to listen to the national not together obviously but seriously could you imagine oh my god could you imagine ella fitzgerald and the national doing a, a collab I was thinking, like, what if you did, like, a girl talk mashup of, of Ella Fitzgerald hits and the national hits? Break out um, the bourbon and the tears, am I right, Dave? <laughs> what, what national album? Uh, Trouble Will Find Me, which is not the most recent album. It's two, two albums ago. Are you, are you interested in hearing Matt Berger's solo album, or is that, not like, particularly? Yeah. For me, okay, so listening to the national is sometimes, like, listening to the Rolling Stones where they are they're the the band who has the cliche of being better than the sum of their parts you know or the sum is better Mm -hmm. than the parts whatever the the Mm -hmm. phrase is uh because they all bring something to the table and i feel that way about the national it's a unit that as a band they all need to be working together for me to really give a damn about what they're doing Uh, yeah no i I like matt burning a lot but i don't necessarily want to listen to a, a solo effort that's a pretty good segue. Oh God, we can't dodge this review any longer. No, go ahead. No, like to their feet on this, if you can't tell, listeners. Yeah. Um, well, when we get back, we'll we'll do a little context building, a little world building before we, it all comes crashing down. Stick with us here. I'm late to the party. You were just, you were just, yeah. oh, you just, you just, you just laughed all over my intro. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's, I'm used to it. Uh, well, you were just listening to what Pitchfork Media described as the number two top single of the 2000, 2004 era. Um, what an era wow. it was. <laughs> Do you know what number one was of that era? Single. 2000 2004 uh i don't outcast's own bob bombs over baghdad oh uh yeah so there i wonder one and two 
they're one and two. Wow. Which is, you know, Rolling Stone compared Andre. I'm reading from Wikipedia on this one. I'm not even <laughs> Thanks. Gonna, <laughs> Appreciate it. To uh, Rolling Stone said it was uh, Andre's vocals were an indie rock little Richard with backing arrangement to the Beatles. So let's let's see if we agree with that. Um, Just a reminder that Rolling Stone's been doing lazy writing for over 20 years now. I was going to say 15, but yeah, 20, 20 is accurate. <laughs> yeah. 20 incorporates this as well. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, so uh, all right, Brandy, let's give us a little history on this. Uh, little rundown? This duo, yeah. Yeah, well, first, I, I think it's important. Look at that. I just, I, I totally broke like a 14 year old. Uh, First, what a perfect name, right? Outcast, because you start questioning immediately, cast out from what? Are they cast out from that, the hip hop conversation or the war really between the East and the West Coast? Are they cast out from these sort of racist economic and political systems of the American South in the 80s and the 90s? Like, what are they being cast out from? It seems- Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, to all the way above, right? So it seems appropriate that they would have that name considering their origins and why they are significant to uh, to the American hip hop landscape, but in terms of this album, we have we've gotten we've gotten an artist or band or a group or whatever you want to call them, especially considering the genres of this album. Uh, they're at the height of their fame, right? Height of their creative efforts. The last studio album they came out with, the proper album Stankonia from two thousand, received glittering reviews, and they effectively they were given a blank check to craft whatever sort of album they wanted to so think about radiohead right after okay computer you know reference our own podcast yeah yeah hey did you know that stankonia lost album of the year to old brother where i fell you know that you know uh how are they in the same category i think there are a few well then more than a few original tracks on old brother where i fell and it was you know a smash I mean, hit at the box office so it, it wasn't was was it because it was just so like, well, this is funny. Uh, the movie's good. Is the T-Bone, soundtrack is Is T-Bone Burnett associated with that soundtrack? I don't know. It sounds like a project he would be associated with. And he's like a Grammy magnet. <sighs> I just couldn't. Well, I mean, album of the year with, with Outkast is, they want it. They want it for this album. And for Speaker Box, right. For, yeah, for speaker box and a little below, you can't just say, you gotta say the whole thing because you're gonna rub Andre. Andre's gonna find out and be like, why? <laughs> I'm gonna get to rub him? Andre 3000? Yeah, you know, maybe. That's weird. Uh, and it's still the only rap album to ever win. <laughs> right, because we should year. remind you that Kendrick lost to Taylor. It won the Pulitzer fucking prize. But <laughs> yeah, it's not good enough for the Grammys. Not good enough for the Grammys. Well, it's like the Golden Globes. It's a total joke. It's a total joke. <laughs> uh, yeah. But in terms of cultural relevance, Outkast is responsible. They sort of credit it with expanding or reshaping Southern hip hop, which until 1998's Equimini is sort of considered a regional joke. You know, like we remember Andre's shade at the 95 Source Awards. When he said, you know, the South got something to say. We should play that clip. It was pretty brutal to just be in a room full of people that's, that don't even really, really care about what you do. So what's up, Dre? Pressure can either bust pipes or create a diamond. And what Andre said when he got on that microphone created a diamond. But it's like this, though. I'm tired of folks, you know what I'm saying? 
the closed minded folks, you know what I'm saying? It's like we got a demo tape and don't nobody want to hear, but it's like this the South got something to say. That's all I got to say. So in the 80s and the 90s, we have a battle between the East and the West for rap supremacy and Southern rap was sort of like Ralph Nader trying to get into a presidential debate in the 90s. You know, it just wasn't happening. By the way, I really wish, I miss him so Remember much. that? Remember <laughs> Ralph Nader? So Remember yeah. Ross Perot? <laughs> um, I mean, that, that's like, <laughs> that's like the era. Southern hip hop is like Missy Elliott, Rick Ross, yeah. Timbaland, uh, Master P, Lil John. you know, like these <laughs> are all people. <laughs> these are all people, that, Ghetto Boys, Juvenile, Gucci Mane, you know, these are people that everyone knows. You're like, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Ludacris, of course. Do you know what my introduction to Master P was? Mm-hmm. A movie called I Got the Hookup. Wow. Well, look up that movie. I think it's from 1998. I, I've, yeah. Have yes, you seen that movie? Uh, I have not seen that movie. so bad. <laughs> I think it's about like a, a beeper scheme. Huh? Yeah. Look at the, I, oh, look at the yeah, cover. I yeah. No, I remember <laughs> I this. I saw that at the drive-in. I was like nine years old. I don't know what my parents were thinking. Anyway, sorry, mom. Movie. Uh, but going back to my Nader metaphor. <laughs> yes. They break that two-party system and they bring other rappers with them, which I find to be uh, poten- not potentially, specifically or particularly credible on their parts. They, they like to carry people along. They're known for going to local clubs, <laughs> finding local rappers and sort of folding them into their creative unit, which I really respect. Most notably, Killer Mike, right, who we've already talked about, of Run the Jewels. He makes his debut on their single, Whole World, which is one of my favorite Outkast songs. So if you're thinking of the significance of Outkast, putting Southern hip hop into a point where they can actually be in conversation with the other two co- with the two coasts in terms of hip hop relevance, and also encouraging emerging young rappers. Thoughts that you have there, David? Um, yeah, I mean, Southern hip hop too. Like, right, it's no one, no one talks about the 90s Southern hip hop. I feel like maybe I'm just not listening to the right people, but it's all about the East Coast, West Coast that takes over everything that, that you know, um, very successful marketing <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, thing that they did and, and they cut out the South, which is, you know, you can, you can relate that to, how you know disenfranchised voters from the Midwest? I guess right. I'm sure that's in there. So that's a, there's a connection there, right? It's all about the coasts, the coastal elites. Tell that to Ohio. Voters. No one's ever <laughs> won the presidency without winning Ohio. Although there's an electoral map that says Joe Biden can do it without Ohio and Florida. We're getting off track. Sorry. Okay. Well, anyway, so uh, I mean, people are. I wonder if people are like, why? Well, I don't even know what. What is Southern hip hop? Well, yeah, tell me, David. What are what are some? Because you know, we talked about tribe a couple episodes ago, and and that idea of like conscious rappers, and also the the idea of sampling uh, heavily from sixties mm-hmm. and seventies jazz and, and funk, funk and, and stuff, and um, that's not at all really here in in these albums. It's mostly um, it's a lot of, I guess they would say heavy beats with like, kind of like growling lyrics, <laughs> growling. Like yelling, yelling lyrics. Um, so it feels aggressive, but also um, feels like something you could dance to. Uh, yeah, I don't I, get I think that a lot of it's like of club related. Uh, okay. Like, uh, it's like for clubs and it. it's high energy. It's chaotic almost at some points. Like, I mean, honestly, if you listen to like a tradition, like a, you know, Stink Coney or something. It feels like, how, how are they not, it feels like they're gracefully falling over their words. It's so chaotic, the, the way that they rap. It's insane. I love it. 
um, it's like, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, how do you keep up with that? Um, it's what Ginger so, Baker would call the gift of time, David. Oh, they have yes. the gift of time. And he found the only other two people in the history of the world that know. He didn't say they were the time. only other two. They were just, they happened to be in the same club. He, he was so pretentious. <laughs> um, Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> uh good documentary on him by the way beware of mr that. baker let's yeah. let's play a game called how long can we talk on the podcast without talking about outcasts oh my god <laughs> no, uh, yeah so so yeah it's like i feel like it's a lot of like finger snaps and instead of snare drums and it's a lot of 808 and um yeah you, you i feel like there's there's a the arena in mind is clubs when they're okay. making this music Got it. And I'm, I'm acknowledging this as a person who is in the moment in real time learning what Southern rap actually is. And I, I know could also not have any idea what I'm talking about, but that's what I believed it to be. Well, I mean, there are like, what, 60 people listening to us. So I, I think we're, we're okay. <laughs> Doubled our number of listeners. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I mean that sincerely in that I have listened to, or at least been acquainted with a lot of the artists that you just mentioned including Master P and his masterpiece, I Got the Hookup. Uh, but I haven't necessarily thought of, really, maybe I'm guilty of what other people are guilty of. I haven't thought about Southern hip hop as a genre that has those particular characteristics. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I experience in them individual, I experience them individually, not as this collective genre, which is maybe a, a sign of pretentiousness or snobbery. Well, like, and people that maybe haven't heard any, like Migos is, is, um, southern rap trio so that kind of i feel like migos is the most popular these days in terms of southern rap i don't know maybe i'm making it up but um yeah i don't i don't know that's one of those music not made for me anymore moments <laughs> you know what i mean it's like i yeah. know who you are i've watched atlanta i don't really know anything about your music so fair enough speaking of music we should probably take another quick break you think we come back uh, we'll, we'll, what yeah. do you got david you got more stuff well I, you know if you wanted to talk about some double albums or you want to you want to well let's hold off on that let's hold that cool all right we'll hold well, it we'll talk about it before we get into the others the martin day cupid and i just want to say one thing happy valentine's day i don't think y'all heard man i just want to say happy valentine's day Can you dig that? Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to Late to the Party. That was Valentine's Day, which is a totally, totally absurd song. But these are absurd times, so we go with the flow. So, David, it is, a, yeah, it, is a, it is an absurd song, but there's something about like, well, it gets it's an earworm. At one at certain points, it could be one of my favorite tracks on this massive album. And at other points, it could be my least favorite. Which yeah. is maybe something yeah. you could say for many of these songs. And there are, I was going to the album. You are reading my mind, my friend. You are reading my mind. <laughs> Before we get to faves and least faves, I I've got these these thoughts, these theories on on the idea of the double album and what it signals. Yeah, and I, yeah. I wondered if you might just uh, indulge me for a, a sure. couple couple minutes. Okay. So in thinking about double albums, I, I've, I've come to the conclusion that they often signal uh, 
one of the following truths of, about a band or an artist or uh, not, a, not a solo artist as much, but usually a, a collective, right? So a couple options. First option, the artist or the band, they've got this unique, cohesive vision that can only be executed via the, the expansiveness, the largeness of a double album. So you've got, uh -huh. think, think about Miles Davis's Bitches Brew from 1970, George Harrison's All Things Must Pass from 1970, which is basically like every single song that Paul and John rejected. <laughs> and that album is amazing. It's, uh, yeah, phenomenal. It's so, it's on this list, as is Bitches Brew. Uh, you've got The Clash, London Calling, 1979, also on this list. you got Arcade Fire's Reflector from 2013, which most people don't love, but I think is a pretty good modern album. As an aside, Radiohead has three double albums. That's OK crazy. Computer, In Rainbows, and A Moonshaped Pool. And all three of those are in my top five Radiohead albums of all time. Like three double albums? It's incredible. That's, anyway, yeah. Yeah, three of no, them. that's, wow. Uh, so that's, that's theory one. Like the band has to have all this space because they've got this vision that can only be executed in mm -hmm. that format. Theory number two, a band is experiencing artistic tension. Members are jockeying for space, and the double album is a, is a way of appeasing these people, right? It's a way of ensuring that everyone is a little bit happy and a little bit pissed off. So think about Beatles, the White Album. But it's, that's, like that. that's interesting you say that because that's usually when they give them space to do their own thing for a little bit with the inevitability or the hope and wish and a prayer that they'll come back together after right. getting out of their system. Like so Kiss, like, like Kiss did that where they all each came out with their own solo album when they were having <laughs> tension or whatever. Yeah. And then it only made people realize, or Peter Chris maybe realize that no one likes Peter Chris. And that's, <laughs> he really is really the a talent Trump supporter. Of, he's, well, he's the talent of Kiss. Oh, so yeah. for sure. But, like, did Gene Simmons make a? Yeah, yeah, of course he did. But it was at okay. the second to Ace, Ace Frehley, huh. um, because Gene is all about Mark. He is the Donald Trump of music. And, oh my God, yes! And it's all about marketing, no substance, and just making money. He puts his sells his name to anything, uh, and it's about spectacle rather than substance. So, oh, absolutely. Um, Ace Frehley actually was a great guitar player and had some pretty good songs on that album huh so, interesting yeah uh theory number three three of, of four the artist knows oh, wow. the, end, the end is near and the album the double album is like it's a kitchen sink effort you know like you you empty the cupboard before you move on to different pursuits so think about the beatles right abbey road let it be such strong albums but they were sort of emptying the clip think about the white albums to a certain extent right like you, you, they didn't know they were going to stay together. Two, two different members left the band during recording sessions for the White Album. So that could have been the end. I think about Pink Floyd's The Wall. They have like Final Cut or whatever the album is in the, the early 80s. Mm -hmm. but that album's terrible. The Wall was the last gasp effort of the Pink Floyd that everybody knows and loves. Last theory, the, and this is one that might apply to our good, our good folks of Speakerbox and Love Below, the artist or the band they're emboldened by an overswollen professional ego and they forget how to edit and they subconsciously and erroneously decide that all of their ideas are good ideas. And I'm sort of looking at you right now, Fleetwood Mac, because Tusk may have had Sarah, but it's really fucking long. And it is it's not, not like that, that interesting. No, it's not. It is boring. You gave that to me because you didn't want it. 
And I was like, oh, cool. It's got Tuscan Sarah. I'm really excited about this. On a record, you have to like pick up the and like <laughs> the track to skip songs. Just <laughs> gonna move all the way over here. Yeah. Okay, so, so my claim is, of all those possibilities, it feels to me that Speaker Box falls into categories three and four. Like it's a band at the height of their fame and their creativity, and they're sort of strained by the this polar pull of their diverging interests. You know, like they want to do separate things but their fame and the intensity of their success requires them to stay together. And so you have to find this middle road. And then sort of like Taylor Swift's 1989, the album is littered. And I mean, literally actually littered because there's some trash, but it's littered with good ideas. And there's maybe even mind blowing moments, but they're, they're stifled by gimmick and this like Mm -hmm. more is more mentality and you get this bloated, sort of unsatisfying effort. But it's because, Which, and the, the double album, I think, signals that idea. Yeah, please. Well, I'll say, which is, is so interesting because they probably thought they were giving a whittled down version of what they wanted to put out there because oh. uh, apparently it's, it's, it's <laughs> a couple of places that it's either 120 up to 150 tracks were recorded for this album. Oh and they gosh. whittled it down to the 40 that are what remain it's just so, unbelievable i mean they were just spitballing and whatever stuck or stuck uh they stuck it stuck stuck they they slapped on here um that yeah no I, I i totally that's that's a great assessment i i have this one of the um there's a, a double album that no one's thought of since it came out uh <laughs> Let me, let me, oh my God, I can't even remember the name. Hold on. Let me, <laughs> that's how bad it is. That's how bad. It. Okay. It's, and it's funny because there is a, um, there is a connection here uh, between this album and the album we are currently listening to. So this album was made. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come <laughs> What's on, come the on, name on. of the album? Well, it's the Foo Fighters double album. Oh God. Which Did they made. Speed of Sound or Hide of Sound of Silence. Foo Fighters double album in your honor uh Who's honor? In, my honor no i think it was like a anti-bush album oh um so you know a little cred and then they did this album and they did like a the like a rock and roll like heart like rock and roll first album um the first disc and the second disc was like an acoustic like soft side uh, gross but you know it also the only person that gets to do best, that and- yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, one of the best, they had a song that was like a like a holdover from Nirvana that they put on their friend of a friend. And they also had um, a song that they did with uh, uh, Nora Jones, who features, <laughs> what? Who, yeah, which who features, which you should be probably even more exasperated, I guess, or surprised by that she's on this album uh, because she, why the hell is she on also this was 2005 so she won the best album yeah. of the year in like 2002 in 2003 or four or five it was a, one of those three years maybe, uh, maybe it was two i don't know i, I forget wait she come away in, win. well i got it's 2003 so she won 2003 yeah. speaker box won 2004 and then 2005 the Foo fighters came out so she's just like you know whatever anyway she's right remember jones everyone was like what the hell is this who's this I loved Nora. I loved and love Nora Jones. 
and not no. just because Ravi Shankar is her dad. <laughs> because but I like also, her, but, but also, think, but also because Ravi Shankar. But also because yeah, it's like, what? That's so cool. Uh, anyway, what were we talking about? Outcast, right? Yes. Jesus. Uh, double album. Oh, I was making the point though. I forgot my point that I was making. (laughs) My point was that this Foo Fighters album is that like the concept was there first. Oh yeah. I think. And then really they couldn't produce a complete album, a solid album all the way through twice. But if you took, you could easily cut those albums in half and combine them. And it would have been, I think one of their stronger albums Mm. that Foo Fighters did. And I know Foo Fighters have been whatever in the last 15 years but um i, I thought yeah, it was a really, whatever the songs that were on those albums this is me remembering this from when i bought it in 2005 were like yeah i just give you half the length half I the see. songs from each side um, so it's just filler to make it a concept so now i'm thinking about especially because you're talking about filler and about the power of editing and speaking of foo fighters and maybe of uh about cast i'm thinking about tom petty's wildflowers Right, oh, yeah. Nine, yeah. which is considered. I feel like we've been talking a lot about Rick Rubin over the last couple of weeks, or I have. He's in everything, especially when it comes and, to. And like, I've been listening to that podcast; it was amazing. Oh yeah. Uh, he also interviewed Andre Three Thousand. We'll see if we can get that one in here. Anyway, uh, Rick Rubin produced 1994's Wildflowers, and it was supposed to be a double album. And apparently, it, well, it's out now, but the double album was extremely good, and the people of RCA, maybe whoever. Tom Petty was aligned with at the time. They said, yes, it's incredible, but we also want people to buy it. And so we need you to, to whittle this down to one good album and not two pretty good albums. And Petty insane. did it because he wanted his people to hear that music. He's, he's like, this is the height of my abilities. I will never be able to make music like this ever again. So let's, let's give them the best that we can give them and also have it be approachable. He's, he's one of those guys who like didn't also, he never raised his ticket prices because he wanted people to, to be able to afford to see him and he didn't want prices of his records to be so expensive that people couldn't buy his music so he sacrificed what could have been an incredible double album just so that people could could buy his record and it would be available to them meanwhile you've got you know Foo Fighters well then this is interesting because this album is the opposite of that um it is a forcing of these two (laughs) albums together because these are two like i mean this is what i saw i think it was pitchfork review of like mommy and daddy are divorced but they still eat breakfast together for the kids oh <laughs> soggy it was, it was like that was what that's how they described this was uh, the making of this album um they're all gonna do their Tell own your separate father lives. to pass the cereal uh so brandon you were you were uh let's saying? just let's just reiterate your four theories of Oh my God. <laughs> not all of them but you were talking about your four theories of why people bands yeah all right so like, double they're... albums and where do you think this out al- why do you think this album was made oh god it's double album like, wise like what's in my life um four reasons why people usually make albums they, they can't they can't help but make that large album that's one two they've got this tension and they need something that serves as a negotiation between all the members that's two Three, they know the end is near and they're just going to put everything into this last album because they've got contractual obligations or whatever. Four, they, uh, they think their shit don't stink. <laughs> Roses, huh? That was uh, good. That was and good. Like 
and they forget how to edit. They forget that bad ideas exist and they forget how to polish good ideas. I think yeah. that speaker box falls into categories three and four. They are at the height of their fame and their creativity and they've got all these diverging interests and it makes it harder for them to make a cohesive, good, well-edited album. That's, that's my contention. It ends okay. up being an unsatisfying, bloated effort because they don't know how to edit anymore. If you were to put, do you think this was a, this was definitely like a mutual issue between Big Boy and Andre 3000? Do you think that it was- This desire to go their own way? Yes. Uh, I think that they both wanted to have as much space as they could have to put their music out because they're, they're both writing at a pretty prolific clip at that time. And it was 150 songs that they (laughs) edited this down from, then holy hell. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of those were misses, as were some of the songs on this album. But yeah, I I do think it was an intentional, mutually agreed upon uh, position to take that we've got a lot of material. We want to get a lot of that material out at once. Maybe even this could be our last album. I don't know if they were thinking that at all. but they weren't, they weren't willing to negotiate or compromise or sacrifice. So they just threw these two albums together, which is what you were talking about before we cut out. Yeah, and this was interesting because when was the previous album? Where was Stankonia? When did that come out? 2000. So it goes 2000, uh, Stankonia, and then they do a Greatest Hits album, which is um, also really popular. Did they? Yeah, so I feel like it's like new century, new, like they like, do you know what I mean? Like mentally, like this, yeah, you know, like yeah. Radiohead, like it's like a mental, like shift. we gotta go, we gotta shift, we gotta do something new. Like we have to leave that behind and go do something that we really wanted to do, and this is the time to do it. Um, and yeah, I they they wanted to, well, they originally wanted to do solo albums, right? Right. Like this was right. this was like they had it done. They were gonna do solo albums, but um, their executive producer, I think, uh, Ellie Reed was like you have to do this as a double album. You cannot, the worst thing you could do would be to do separate solo albums, which I'm not sure that's really the reason. I mean, uh, is it because they don't want to break up the brand? Not the band, but the brand. The brand. Um, You can't trust the solo brand, especially from a duo rap group. No. Because that's all tenuous success. You know, like they could go out of fashion at any point. Right, because it's not like it was designed to do that. Like Wu-Tang was designed to right. break up and do unbelievable things. Wu-Tang, uh, the Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young of the hip-hop world. <laughs> oh, you man. I mean, they, man, they absolutely <laughs> dominated. Um, but anyway, that, that's, that's so blasphemous. We're talking about East Coast rap. And I know, I know. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, they sold, because of this, they sold technically 11 million units right when even wow. it's really a double album so 5.5 each <laughs> so it's cool it is cool but like it's not as impressive as 11 million people bought your album it's like well half of that i mean still 5.5 is a lot of people 5.5 also, million also thriller sold 50 million albums 50 yeah, million but, but within what time frame I think it's like 30 out. years. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, get back to me and... <laughs> I don't think Speakerbox is on the uptick. No. Gonna... No. no, it can't be. No one's buying that album anymore. In well, no one's buying music anymore. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, they're buying... And honestly, we'll get to it. Is it... We keep saying we're going to get to it, but we keep going to it. But, like, this album is filled with filler. Uh, yeah. There's no reason to listen to this full album. 
you, the hits are the hits and there's some songs that are nice but there's yeah. no, i don't think there's a reason to pay the which i'm assuming in 2003 i tried looking up i couldn't find it what the original price for this album was but what was yeah. the double out what do you think it was like 28 bucks i would say anywhere between 28 and maybe even pushing 40 depending on how yeah. how long the album was so those yeah. those compilations that people were, were putting out in the, the late 90s you know like here's here are all of my albums on cd those were like 40 50 60 bucks so a new album new double album i would say yeah like 28 35 something like that yeah, no one's buying that. But speaking of the fluff, should we just go full bore and, and yeah, get into to phase yeah, and space? All right. So, so do I go? Are we going to do this where we do each, treat each one separately as, yeah, a, as its own as thing? As they should be. I, as they should be. As they should. That's why it's, I don't think it's a double album. It's just, it's like they, you know, when like, okay. <laughs> For so many reasons, this album reminds me of Flight of the Concords. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> except that's the, intentional. Sure, but I feel like either I, I I'm assuming Fly the Concords is inspired had to be inspired by so much of this, but it feels they sound like this album so many times. I'm but gonna have it in my head epi- forever now. There was this episode. Yeah, really go listen to listen to Caroline. That is a straight up Fly the Concords that's true. song. And then like in the first couple of episodes of Fly the Concords when he like Brit I I got you a uh, a camera phone, you know, and he like taped a camera to <laughs> yes. a phone and gave it to him. That's what this is. That's what this double album is. It's like <laughs> they just took a camera and a phone, they duct taped it together, and they said, "This is a double album." It's not. <laughs> that was good. I had no idea where you were going with that, but that was great. Uh, <laughs> and then they had this stupid track where they do horrible British accents where they do actually sound like they're New Zealanders and not British. What was that song? Excellent comedy. It's I terrible. don't know. I think it's great. All right, uh, let's do speaker box. <laughs> okay. What can is you your, what can, is your you think favorite? They, hold on, hold on. Do okay. you think they can tell that we, uh, this is the first episode we recorded after work? <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, no time to do it. <laughs> no energy to do it. Um, but we're gonna do it. By the glory of caffeine and Manhattans, we're gonna do it. Okay. All right. Speaker box. Go. Okay. So I've switched my favorite. Like I always do. All because I never. I can never Lame. keep it. I do. But now. <sighs> all right. I'm gonna have to make a decision. But this is what it is. It's not the price is right. I know, but it feels, I, I, uh, here's why. I, I think, this is not good reasons, but Flip Flop Rock, because it's got Killer Mike on it, but yeah. also it makes Jay-Z almost nothing in that. I think that's so <laughs> yes, funny. He's just a hype man. <laughs> Jay-Z just, is DJ he Khaled. The, he does the hook, and then he's like the very last, like really not a good set that he does at the very end and i think that's funny which is that a reason for a favorite i don't know i i like i like I, I it a lot so. it's petty I, and I, I like it i i think it yeah so that that's my favorite for for that's speaker excellent. box which i honestly i had so much easy i had a harder time figuring out a favorite because they're actually better songs to pull from from this album overall oh probably uh here's here's a sign that i don't like this album and i think i like it less the more time we spend talking about it. Uh, I didn't struggle at all for faves or least faves. And I always just labor over these decisions like people actually pay us to do this. 
But for this album, I really didn't. I was like, okay, I guess that one's fine. I hate that song. It wasn't, it wasn't very difficult. With that said, Speaker Box, my favorite track to listen to and not sort of like, you know, hate myself. Uh, I like Bowtie. Oh, like yeah. Bowtie. I do, right? Yeah. yeah exactly. See, you I, smiled I, when I said that. No, I, I do. I like that. And I, I was thinking that today. I was listening to it again today, obviously. Well, so, you speak on yeah. First, you speak on it. You speak on Bowtie first. Let me, let me speak on it, all right? Uh, first, <laughs> here's, here's a little snippet from it, all right? So, so here's why I love that song. It's got it's good music, right? It it vividly builds new worlds. It doesn't need a lot of time to do it, right? It's it's one of those well edited songs. The first thirty seconds of the song, all I think about are cookouts. I think about late nights. I think about having uh, much fewer cares and worries. And it's actually a complete song, which is really hard to find on this album. Now, as a disclaimer, I should say as is often the case with hip-hop, the lyrics sort of make me cringe and wonder why lyricists have to fall back on the same offensive tropes about women and their sexuality. Mm -hmm. But if you got to pick a favorite on an album that you don't like anyway, what are you going to do? In terms of musicality, that's my favorite song. I think that's a great choice. And I think that it actually makes the way you move a better song being right before it. Interesting. I I think that those two songs go so well together and there's i listened to both those songs this morning in a row and i was like you know what i actually don't hate the way you move listening like when i listened to it today and that's such a song that's like been played a bajillion times it's at every prom and wedding and literally everywhere right so it it kind of takes away its specialness of it yeah. um yeah. because it's a simple 808 beat and the hook is so pop driven but it's perfect like it's so simple and perfect that i think but i think it's better because bowtie puts you in the mood to listen to (laughs) that makes sense to me it butters you up to listen to that song it's like the uh it's like the prelude to all of the lights on kanye's beautiful dark twisted when i think it's it's, it may be elton john playing that i'm not sure but that gets you it, it also throws you for a left because you have no idea that's what's coming. But that piano mm-hmm. intro is, I, I totally understand what you're saying. It builds for you. It's like an intro. Yeah. Uh, what's your least fave from speaking? Uh, from, uh, I didn't like Bust. I thought it was, I didn't like it. And I was really hoping to like it because it has Killer Mike on it too. And I, I really, really like Killer Mike, as I've mentioned before in this podcast, but we both mentioned before. But yeah. um, I, it was like a feeling, I was waiting for the song to do something and then it does it. Uh, and then I was like, oh, it's over. It's three minutes long. And this didn't really go anywhere. I don't know. That's, that's my least favorite for now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so here's you? my first, here's my first hot take of, of the show. My the least favorite you... song is The Way You Move. <laughs> I know. Is that, is, is, that is, is that a 2020 mindset viewing of this song? Is that like a, oh my well, God. Well, it's, it's that one that has, it's one that is built from the first time I heard it. So I guess, what was this, 2003? What, yeah. what year is this? this okay. Yeah, three. So I, I know, people love that song. Radio stations use that, the instrumental track for the background for everything. 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 And it's not, it's not actually a bad song. In fact, 
No, it's not. In fact, it's maybe, maybe the best, most complete effort on the album in terms of vision, lyrics, uh, rapping performance, in terms of melody, obviously. It might be the best song in the album, except uh, it is... At this point, it's sort of like a tragic victim of its own ubiquity. Exactly. <laughs> you exactly. know, it's like, exactly. and if you've been to like any black weddings, hell, if you've been to any wedding in the last like fifteen or sixteen years, you've right. heard and you've probably danced to that song, and you've like been you've been tipsy, and you're like mm-hmm. feeling your third piece of cake, and then that song plays, and instead of going to the bar, you go and you you dance to that song, right? Right. But it's also kind of a copy of another song. Did, do you, do you know where I'm going with this? No, I'm, waiting, I'm ready for it. All right, so it, listen to The Way You Move and then listen to Marvin Gaye's After the Dance and tell me if this particular clip Doesn't sound a hell of a lot like this particular clip. It's the same hypnotic buildup. And the, the way that I love the way you move. Uh, it sort of repeats hypnotically in the same way that Gay's "Dance with Me," yeah. "Come on, Dance with Me, Baby" does. It's the it's the same climax. Like you can you can it's, you can count it out, and it's the same. It's, count. it's like Whitney Houston's "I'm Your Baby Tonight" and the original animated series of the X Men theme song. Oh my god! Which, yes. which, if you want, if you want, we can listen to a clip of or, both of those back to back. We were listening to okay, so we do track of the day. And we would have a song playing during, uh, like, while the kids were coming in. And I was playing Who's Zoom and Who because I love puns. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, at nice. Franklin. And Ashley goes, you know, Who's Zoom and Who sounds a heck of a lot like How Will I Know by Whitney Houston. And then I played them back to back. And it's the same goddamn song. <laughs> who's Zoom and Who? It, it all goes back to Whitney. That's <laughs> just what it all, it's all the signs same. back to Whitney. Same melody. Anyway. Uh, speaker box. Yeah. I've heard it too many times. I've danced to it too many times. I can't hear so, it anymore. I just can't I, do it. And I, and I totally agree. And the, I tell you this morning was the first time because I think because I was listening to Bowtie first and listening to that second that I was like actually giving it the time of day. Because I feel like the, the song almost has a reaction of like you immediately want to turn the channel yep. or skip it because yep. it's too much all the time. And this is not like, like I'd rather sit and listen to a Taylor Swift song, I think than that song <laughs> you know, like you know as much as i said you know, not to say that i didn't like taylor swift but to say like i had such issues with i think i'd rather listen to shake it off than the way you move at this point in my life okay i'm not from... prepared to say that okay well <laughs> but i understand why you're saying that 
Okay. And I could. I mean, they have, they have to have ten years on each other, so maybe that's true. That's, that's true. All right, we cannot battle. I take a summary. Do not believe below the sea and try to grab one line and send it wide. Repentance, find the endless limitations and give them a clean bill of health. Well, might make it look good, but you sound like shit. And your team looking shit in the bell. My nigga, big boy said, watch them as they talk and they gander. You can follow or lead like Commander Picard. You can have the whole world or be satisfied with the boulevard. Overstand this young player's line. I forgot the crime and I right, so he's lifted up. Yeah, let's do all right. Um, Andre 2000's um, Prince concept album that he decided to do by being inspired by, um, I don't know, the Beatles okay. and Prince. And I don't know. I don't mean to. I just wanted to sing. I don't mean to bash on Andre 2000 because of the duo, he's my favorite uh, by far. And having listened to his interview with Rick Rubin, I understand sort of what he was going through at the time of the writing of this album and why he's had such a hard time releasing solo efforts. And I think it might have something to do with this album. Uh, but it's so bad. Like the love below is not good. And also I feel like when people say, who are your influences? If the first two artists out of your mouth are the Beatles and Prince, it's like, okay, you were born in 1984. I get sure. it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. It's and like, I, of course. I sound like and an asshole, but... Right, you can be influenced. It doesn't mean you did it right. Like, it doesn't mean, like, you... <laughs> sure, anybody can say they were influenced by the... Who hasn't said they were influenced by the Beatles? It doesn't mean you're right. good. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So, what is your, what is your favorite uh, song on here? Oh, God. I don't want to talk about it. Um, I'm, I'm a sucker for a catchy melody and a good old-fashioned call response. So my favorite song on The Love Below is the first three minutes of Roses, all right? It's, it is a good first three minutes. It's so it good. It's really good. All right, so like, here's, this is the part that I love the most. Like, let's, let's listen together and we'll talk about it. Here it is. So that's like, that's Andre at his, his cleverest, right? Like he's emphatically hitting on the eel and realize the real in guys, real down to Mars girls. I, I like the interplay, right? So it's, it's some of that ear candy that David has referenced from 1989. It works, it's hooky, it catches. And, and that call response is even something that harkens back to something like bow tie, right? So you've got that New Orleans jazz feel, the call and response of an audience and, and a band leader. And that lead up, that build up to Roses, is by far, by far, my favorite moment on, on the album. But the, the track invites a lot of conflicts for me, and I'm gonna go off for a second. Like, is he being purely misogynistic? Uh, is he embittered by some woman who respects herself and has standards and is misunderstood, misunderstood as a, like a stuck up gold digger? Like, is he mad at this woman and is, in, is therefore calling her a gold digger? Or is he like poking fun at these unfair expectations that straight men tend to burden on straight women. Like what, where is Andre falling in all of this? I can't tell if he's, if he's being serious and just sort of lazy or if he's trying to comment on the way that we, we treat or the way we vilify women. That's, that's where I fall in the first three minutes. The last two and a half minutes like ruins all of that for me, like completely. Cause it's just different ways for him to call people bitches. And I yeah. can't, 
I can't really get around the nastiness of of that approach. It, it seems to just discredit so much of what works in the first three minutes. Well, yeah, it feels like he's, it's like, I mean, part of the, not say charm, but part of, I guess, like, yeah, charm of, of outcasts is the way that they speak so like human beings personably like yeah. they feel like they feel like people you know yeah and, and i think that that's what that's a good point is and, and i and when i when i heard when i because i've listened to, um, to like the, the the last three minutes of this song or whatever it's because how long is it it's yeah it's, it's really long. long it's like two and a half minutes um, just she's a bitch, she's a bitch. Yeah. yeah but i'm like but the way he says stuff i'm like this sounds this sounds like before an artist like taylor swift puts it through the poetic pop uh, magic sure. and makes it into something that sounds acceptable and clean and nice. Okay. And I think, and I, so, cause I, this is what I'm trying to justify if I'm trying to justify it all or trying to understand is sure. like, yeah, right, help me. is this like, is this being like outcasts at their cleverest when they sound, I'm trying to pull, I don't have the lines up, but like when they, when they say things like that, I'm like, that, that sounds like, people I know that would say things like that. Like, yeah. it sounds like somebody that you, like, a, a, like that's how someone would react to being uh, either broken up with or denied by a girl. It's like, real. Say that it's real, it's yeah. not great. And people say horrible things either in their minds or to their friends or out loud or to that, or to that woman about being rejected. Right. So is that the goal to capture that? realness that moment or is it supposed to be like a funny because the video is very funny and is it supposed to be i feel like oh right he's really just giving it to her you know um, yeah like what is i don't but then wouldn't he just go why wouldn't he just go straight up and just call her a bitch like i mean that's totally acceptable in rap in 2003 to do yeah, something like that's that true. so why wouldn't because i don't know he sets himself apart from that um i feel like he's playing himself I think he's trying to, I think he's, he's out thinking himself. He's being, at least in the last two and a half minutes, he's, he's trying to be too clever and it doesn't work. I think it's a mess. I just, I don't appreciate it. I don't respect it. And it's sort of Mars in the process of Mars, one of the more promising melodic offerings on this album or this side of the album or whatever we're calling it. I sort of feel like you did with Taylor Swift. I, this is a mind fuck for me. I, maybe I feel like maybe I'm missing something majorly important. Like there's some access I have not tapped into and maybe I yeah. don't understand, but I'm not I'm, a total idiot. And I, but, I feel like I should, I should know better. All the reviews are like, it's amazing. He's a musical genius, but they don't actually explain how that is. Like, yeah. it just seems like music salad. Uh, it's just like, Hey, <laughs> I really wanted to do, I really salad. wanted to do, I really wanted to do, um, you know, I wanted to make it feel like a, like a, like a 50s, 60s kind of like, you know, poodle skirt kind of, you know, <laughs> like a big salad, kind of thing, like a thing, salad. you know, and like, and that's what I want to do. But then I also want to do um, a song about Dracula's wedding. And then I also want to do, uh, uh, you're a, describing Harry Nielsen. Seriously, but I, I, there's so much of that, and then also there's like the Oscar and Ham the Oscar Hammerstein or Rogers and the Richard, Richard Rogers, the whole you know, my favorite things, yeah, useless five minute track. Like, what the fuck are you doing here? What is this? I don't know. And how does that fit in? And I'm like, okay, there's the story that this album's supposed to have of that 
what the ice cold is supposed to like get dumped find another girl he's really into there's a story that relationship there's a story and characters like uh, ice cold when he no. says in hey yeah when he says what's it's cold cool living cool. cool ice cold ice cold like that's like his character's name in this album like it's a whole oh. story of his like falling in and out of love and making mistakes uh as a partner i love it so i don't so, love it. <laughs> i don't love it <laughs> no but it's it's marred by these idiotic yeah. skits oh my god like, and <laughs> skits are a feature of hip-hop music right and, yeah. and especially in and then they do it really it's funny when they do it, it's really great and it makes you feel like a whole nother layer to their to their musical um production and what yeah. they how they view an album in general but this just feels like it feels like someone interrupting you it doesn't feel like an interlude it feels like an interruption i i don't uh, who is actually sitting through these songs those, I don't know. those things like who wants to listen talk to about talk that. about god for two and a half minutes and like muse about that over and over again i guess we'll I talk about respect. best time to listen soon but yeah uh, sure because i do love an inter an interlude where uh, a little kid curses while trying to rap. That's fucking gold. <laughs> I love that. It's that was, That's funny as shit. Um, on the the first the first album. When it, <laughs> What's it uh, called, the, David? The bamboo. The bamboo <laughs> interlude. He does right before two of the boom. Like that's hilarious. Yeah, that, that is, kid pretty is funny. cute. As, a cute kid is cute as hell, and that that's funny. That's a funny. Is he rapping the whole world? Yes, he is. I love it. Yes, he is. Um, that reminded me that I love that song. That's that's yeah. how I remembered that song, which is great. So my favorite song, though, yeah, tell me, because I can't get out of my head that they are like the um, Fly of the Concords is Dracula's Wedding. That is that is a funny song. It's so weird, and I actually, when I listen to it, it feels like it's not a part of this album at all. It's just too left field and. I think it's, I'm like, all right, he went all okay. for it in this, on this song. It's a, it's a all right, weird, I respect that. and I was like, I'm into this. That's fine. Be honestly, because after shitty songs like Pink and Blue and Love and War, I was like, I'm here. Okay, finally, something I can listen to. <laughs> Without the track um, in front of me, I could not name those songs. It's, yeah, right. It's, it's Behold a Lady. Or the whole, after the whole annoying good day, good sir. <laughs> oh, God. No one's gonna and listen Pink to this and, album. Right, Pink and Blue with R. Kelly, Love and War, and then yeah. She's Alive. And those songs are forgettable. That's 20 minutes of forgettable music <sighs> My on the 78-minute side to this double album. Yeah, that's one side. God. Uh, let's do Lee's favorites. Let's just, let's pound through it. Uh, okay. least... Mine's Pink and Blue, I'm telling you. It okay. sucks. All right, fair it's enough. It's so boring. It's five minutes long. R. Kelly features on it. Fuck R. Kelly. And, yes. Um, I feel like it has no... It's so boring. It's so... If you're going to put a five-minute song on there, make it interesting. At least say something interesting. Anything! <laughs> There's say so many anything. songs that just... They might as well just call it Skip. Because Ooh. that's how I treated it. David, you are you are experiencing like like the phoenix of legend a renaissance here a rebirth i mean you're you're really killing it after that whole taylor swift debacle i'm, just, I'm totally kidding i went, I went through a metamorphosis yeah. you, did. you are re-emerging uh my least favorite from the love below is well so unfortunately there are too many songs uh to pull from there's so many options but but i'll keep it simple my least favorite song is hey ya 
Surprise! I like the music video. I like the music video, but I never actually liked the song. It's, it's like famous for a crossover appeal, and that immediately makes me suspicious, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, that sounds like me and Taylor Swift. It does. It does. But I've always wondered, maybe sort of cynically, I, I don't know. But if the same song would have been would have carried the same weight had it come from a different group, and here's what I mean: like, was it popular because of its actual content and construction, or was it popular because of the novelty of it? And like, maybe that's an argument against my own evaluation. I don't know. Uh, but I, I don't like that song. I I have nothing intellectual to say about it other than I'm not sure why it's so popular. That's all I got. It's, I don't even want to play a clip from it. No, it's, I mean, just, I remember, I remember when I realized that song was at its peak, um, lameness is when my mother told me to just shake it like a Polaroid camera. And I was like, <laughs> oh, did you do it? If, if that song has gotten <laughs> to her, it's gotten through so many channels. I have two questions. Like, yeah. First question, uh, did you do it? I'll never tell. <laughs> Second question, did she, it should have been the first question. Did she know what she was asking when she asked it? Uh, no, oh, I don't think, I think she was, I think she was doing it as a, uh, like we were like shaking, it was like shaking like a food item or something to shake oh, it up, you know, like I one see. of those things. And it was, yeah. But then also <laughs> you shake it off. So you, you shake it like a Polaroid camera and then you shake it off and then you have two of the most annoying songs ever assembled. Oh God. I was just, maybe it's the, the time of the week. Maybe it's the time of man. Uh, but we, mm. I, I hate this album so much. <laughs> and I, I mean to say that because I hate it so much. <laughs> this is a first for me. All the albums we've listened to so far, I've found something yeah. to latch onto. Obviously, I had a hand in picking them, but I, I genuinely enjoy them. I genuinely enjoy listening to Taylor Swift's 1989. There this songs makes me appreciate that. This makes me appreciate that album even it more. It does. And I feel yeah. like a shitty human for not liking this album, but there's nothing I can do about it because I, I can't get I my get head it. or my heart to like it. I, I need, we need viewers to, to voicemail and let us know why. Yeah, hey, educate the fuck out of me because I got nothing. <laughs> What I was going to say when I started this particular mini rant was I hate it so much. I don't even want to take a break. I just want to keep going. I'm looking at the categories and I'm thinking best time to listen. Fuck off best time to listen. So you want to come back and burn through these real quick? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Okay, we'll let's take it. Welcome back, everybody. That was Dracula's Wedding, a comedic relief from the shit show of the last segment where I had a little meltdown. So that was <laughs> just a little meltdown. Anyway, uh, we're back to talk about our sort of closing categories uh, near and dear to our hearts. So, yeah. David, best time to listen? Best time to listen? I, I was thinking best time to listen maybe the only time to listen is that is that you're at a party where <laughs> you've been reading my notes you, again did you put that in there go ahead you finish i was gonna say this is what i was thinking on my drive home i was like you listen to a party when all you hear is the beat and you don't you just can't pay attention to 
anything else because yeah. so like that's why it's so good at weddings and just a party where it's like you could play the whole album loud yep except for the interludes but um but i think like no one would pay attention it would just drown out the ambiance but actually be okay but it's not great i don't like it (laughs) (laughs) how about you what did you say like obviously i guess Uh, i said the same thing you did i said drunk at a party 15 years ago Oh yeah, when you're like a teenager still. Yeah, um, underage drinking. Yeah, not funny, but I guess funny and necessary. For, yeah, kind um, <laughs> of finished potentially for this. Uh, would you own it on vinyl? Absolutely not. <laughs> and how many how many discs is it? Like fifteen, and it's two and a half hours long. I couldn't what the hell. It. I would if you if you had to. How about this? I'm, I'm assuming you're no too, right? Yeah, that's a hard um, no. If you, if you had to be stuck with one of the albums, what would it be? Well, that would be revealing some of some of my hot takes, so I can't. I can't oh, okay. I can't All right. Okay, cool. But I can um, tell you that I will not ever own it on vinyl. No, I will give this away. Give it back. I do not. I will never <laughs> listen bad. to this album. Well, earlier we used to say, or in the earlier episodes, we'd say, "Yeah, if someone buys it for me, if you buy this oh. for me, I will find someone else to give it to that wants it." I'll slap you in the face. I'm like, of all <laughs> oh the outcast, of all the outcast albums, you wanted to purchase me. You bought me this piece of shit. Not only did you have to buy, you have to pay twice as much for this thing, but you, you have didn't to carry get, it over here. Yeah, you, <laughs> literally, the other, all of their other albums are awesome. Yeah, they're awesome. That's Ugh. true. All right, that's true. Okay, what's what's your MP3? <laughs> what's your what's your what's your MP3? <laughs> your uh, your I, I, which I'm I'm gonna start trying to coin the auto MVP, the other than the obvious MP, MVP. Oh, oh put okay. it on a shirt, put it on a cup. Yeah, yeah. auto MVP. Me. Uh, me, I'm the listener. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Wow. 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 That is the bottom. That is the bottom. (laughs) What I meant to say. Oh, gosh. I pounded the name of the desk. Uh, I'm the MVP. I got through it. That's why I'm the MVP. I am the listener. Good. But if we're being serious, if we're being serious, uh, here's hot take number one. Andre 3000 is the MVP of the album. How? You're that's, right? a, that's an obvious. Well, it's not obvious. obvious. It's not obvious because we've been bashing him for a good 45 that's minutes true. now. I think he's the MVP of the album because even though many of his ideas don't go over, it's the risk, David. Yeah, we love the I'm risk. A, I'm a sucker we for risk. risk. Yeah. I mean, he and stopped the, rapping. Which was so fucking dumb. He was bored. Radiohead, okay. not Tom York. He was so bored that as one half of the most popular rap duo of the time, maybe of all time, I don't really know that many rap duos off the top of my head, right after their most successful album, he stops rapping. That's ridiculous. It did, I mean, and it worked for some people, lots of people. It worked for 11.5 million people or million albums worth of, of people, whatever. He might be guilty of trying too much at once too soon, but the courage 
to try that, to say, here's where I'm artistically going and I can't go anywhere else because if I do, it'll be a disservice to myself and my art. I have to do it this way and stay in this band or in this rap duo, but I'm gonna do it my way. He just, that is incredibly courageous, artistically speaking. And because of that, and because I don't really love Big Boy that much, I, I got to give the MVP to Andre 3000 because on an album riddled with errors, he's the one who is taking the biggest risk. And I appreciate and, it. Yeah. I mean, this, this list loves risk takers. Like they do. So many of them are doing it. Is, yeah. They love the risk taker. But this is also a risk which I don't find to have succeeded. That's true. But you know what? It's on record. And he, he like, you know, pun intended. And he, yeah, I mean, and that it broke him. <laughs> it, it did. It did. And we it, had it, 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 Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was saying, like, all the other albums is like, right, you know, the, the, every other album that had a risk, like, it launched that band into stratosphere. Right. And this, and this is an album that sold an unbelievable amount, you know, one album of the year. Right. And then they basically just had a couple holdover songs to fill in their soundtrack they were already <laughs> yeah. making. Yeah. And that was it. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's appropriate here. So I'll just, I'll mention, I've mentioned a couple of times that he had a rather, Andre 3000 had a rather vulnerable interview with Rick Rubin on Rubin's Broken Record podcast. And at one point, Andre was, he was discussing why it's been so hard for him to complete a solo effort. And I, I do believe going back to earlier in the show, when I was making more sense, that Andre 3000 was broken by this effort. I agree with you completely that he starts unraveling because there's such a, a premium placed on his efforts. He mentions that every time he comes out with anything, any sort of guest spot, it's ridiculed, it's criticized. Even people that like it don't like it in a way that he needs them to like it in order to be loved as an artist. This makes him so vulnerable, or he's, he's become so vulnerable in the intervening years that he can't produce anything. And I find that, yeah, I do find sad. that sad. It's tragic. Because it's, I, it I is. yeah, I sincerely believe that he is a talented lyricist, uh, a talented beat maker. I believe that he that he knows how to find interesting sounds, and he has amazing ideas. And but I, yeah, so well, I was gonna say I think it's different too than like uh, an artist that is washed up because it's not washed. He's not washed it's up. Not. I would never just. It's just like he whatever he did broke him. And that's very different. Like wash up, it can happen, happens all the time, right? You're like, oh, he's just done. They're just keep on putting out because right. it's like a thing they have to do. And he just couldn't do it. It just, it, he cannot put things out. Into and, and Ruben even says, he, he becomes a sort of like life coach. He's like, all you have to do is you just play around, you know, like just go sit at a piano. And Andre's like, yeah, I do that. And I record it and I listen to it. And I decide that sounds like trash and I can't get any further. It's, it's like, he's, he's got writer's block, but he's had it for a decade. And it comes back to all these songs that we see on the Love Below, which are you know facsimiles of songs. They're yeah. they're song esque in many ways. Yeah. So I, the seeds of that destruction are being they're being planted on this album. So he's my MVP, even oh. though I just sort of talked about how he's broken as an artist. So yeah, you it's like insult to injury. Uh, my MVP is not nearly as exciting. I, I, should have gone first, but I was going to say Sleepy Brown. Oh. Um, because again, like I'm treating the real double album is Bowtie and The Way You Move. And I think that he is the glue. Uh, he has the, the good hooks for both of them that are the catchy bits that everyone remembers. Yeah, People yeah. don't even remember Big Boy rapping in The Way You Move these days. They just remember Sleepy Brown's hook. And who's singing that part I, that I referenced in the song? 
earlier and I love the way you move. Who's who's it's Sleepy Brown, right? Yeah. Yeah, and who's he sound like? That sounds like Marvin Gaye, I think. I don't know. Just me. I don't know. Just uh just hanging out, you know. But I I think it's a good call. Sleepy Brown absolutely mm. is the glue on that first slide. First uh side. Absolutely. Well well, god damn it, we made it. Okay, so <laughs> let's take a let's take a just another little quick break. You can listen to this wonderful let's let's give them something. Let's play Let's give, uh, Barry Manilow's Looks Like We Made It. I was going to say, give him the track Unhappy from Speaker Box. Yeah, uh, speak to my soul. That, yeah, there you go. And we'll be right back. One time when I was a child. When I found out that Santa Claus was nothing more than vanilla. It was silly because my mom and pop, they worked for every penny. It had been but had. Enough to get by. Enough to get fly. Only to start the new year off in debt. Now you forget your happiness came and went like mom and dad's relationship. Take a trip, you bring potato chips, I bring the hot sauce. All right, and we're back. You just listened to Unhappy, which probably is a great soundtrack to this, to this uh, moment, year. Moment, yeah. Oh, it's it's our anthem currently. So um, I think one of these does. It's in War where he references the um, the election. Of 2020? No, of 20, yeah, of 2021 or 20, I mean, sorry, 2001, uh, 2000, whatever, 2000 election well, where, yeah. um, with the whole, he says that we got, it was a botched election. It was rigged. He says that I think in war anyway. Um, so your hot takes, Brandon, you got any, I got no hot takes. So yeah, I got some hot, hot takes. takes. I got lots of hot takes. I w- I'd rather have hot cakes. Really go for some pancakes right about now. Anyway, uh, hot take number one of two. True massive fans don't even like this up. All right. Sean Tobin. Do you know, you know, Sean Tobin, you met Sean. One of the smartest, kindest people I know who worships outcast. Hated this album, his words, his words. I wrote this down. He said, this was supposed to be huge. He didn't sound like Donald Trump though. I don't know why I did that. Uh, yeah, I, tremendous I, album. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's double the size of every album. <laughs> you sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. How did you go from Donald Trump to Arnie? <laughs> I don't think I was ever at Donald Trump. I think you, I you was <laughs> Anyway, he said, I, so I asked him, like, what did you think about Speakerbox Love Below? I know you're a big Outkast fan. He said it was supposed to be huge. He said, I remember listening to it and thinking, this isn't good. And he said, I remember wondering why Big Boy and Andre weren't collaborating more. Because that's why their why their identities worked in the first place because they were they were so intimately twined. And you and I haven't talked about that a lot. The fact that yes, they're making their own separate albums, but the collaborations aren't even as frequent as yeah. we expect them to be. Sean ends by saying it felt lazy to him, and that's for a man who shelled out a lot of money to see Big Boy as a solo act at the Stiefel Theater 15 years after the this album came out. Right, so he's a huge fan of Outkast. It's his favorite group, and he knew at the time. That, that album was bullshit like he knew that so how That's fitting awesome. yeah, yeah how fittingly and, ironic and, is and, it you know and i have also read too that like yeah this was this was upsetting to their fans yeah yeah and it really I, was i find it because you mentioned this earlier i find it sort of fittingly ironic that he found an album that they recorded over a hundred songs for to be lazy you know like yeah. To put that yeah. much effort and, into something that sounds and, like it hasn't been worked on at all and not in a good way, I can't disagree with that. And I know that, like, we're not always, they're, they're, 
a lot of the bands we, we recognize there, they don't necessarily care about whether or not the fans will like what they're doing, which right. has turned out to be pretty something really great for them. But in right. this, this, I think it correlates. Uh, hot take number two. In terms of from this point on in, in Outcast production, so this and Idlewild's next, and then we've got uh, a couple big boy solo efforts, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, and Andre, correct me if I'm wrong, he has not put out a proper solo Andre 3000 album. Is that right? I don't think so. No, I just, don't think he has either. No. Feel free, listeners, to leave a voicemail and, and let me know that I'm wrong. Uh, also say nice things because I'm vulnerable. Anyway, from this point on, I think I like the idea of Outcast more than the actual product. In terms of speaker box, Love Below, and then everything else they do separately, guest spots, all that stuff. Even the reunion tour, it's the mm -hmm. myth or the the legacy or the idea of Outcast that I respect more than the actual production. The '90s albums, Stankonia, love it, but I, this isn't an album that I must have heard before I died. Like, Absolutely not. I would you? actually again smack you in the face if you made me listen to this <laughs> before I die. This could kill me. <laughs> in the pace <laughs> yeah it's, um, i guess that's my last hot take bonus hot take it's not an album that i have to have heard yeah listen to stankonia just pretend that they didn't exist after this just stankonia was their last album and that's what just live your life knowing that and only that and you will be happy for it um i, I chose this album didn't i yes you did oh my god i was so excited oh, no. too i had such hopes well i think it's a it's a nice to have our first album which we uh unanimously suggest <laughs> it's, it's in terms to... of listen purchase or pass 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 it's a pass. firm it's a firm it's for a me firm it's, pass. it's a firm pass not a hard pass it's a Even firm pass the hits are maybe out of just curiosity go ahead and the fact that we've made you listen to a couple of the songs on this podcast but other than that there's Should no reason enough. to at all you I, I honestly good luck listening to this <laughs> good luck it's two and a half yeah. hours long dude i i i challenge you i dare you not to skip a track it's impossible it's interesting that, right yeah. the album is interesting but it's way too long it's way too overstuffed with distractions that don't actually entertain me i would I listen to the hits, right? Listen to the way you move. Yeah. If you need to do it, listen to Hey Ya, listen to Roses, and then move on. Or better yet, listen to Stagonia, like you said. Listen to yeah. Fre So Fresh and So Clean. Listen to Miss Jackson. You'll thank me. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, Brandon, our next episode. Oh. Be than this one? Well, if uh, only because we both know that we love it already. Yeah. I yeah. think so. So our next step, our next episode, our next album whenever we get to it is number 953 really giving a lot of love to the 900s showing our age rk fire's funeral oh wow or yeah my, from my formative years yeah i got i got memories of u of d jesuit high school in uh good old detroit being in the chapel with robbie dwight sitting at the piano i'm singing it's like a tony bennett special really that's nice this was the first album i listened to like i purchased when i was in new york city for the first time ever for the first couple of months I bought wow. this album and I, it, I listened to it a thousand times. Um, so, hey, positive. We'll have a positive. <laughs> we'll end on a positive. I'll look on that. Uh, well, so again, listeners, uh, feel free to drop us. If you want to get you know, in touch with us, which I hope you do, and besides just listening to us and giving us likes on uh, five star pod or five star reviews on Apple Podcasts, uh, leave us a, drop us a voicemail on the Anchor app. 
which yeah. you can just Google it. And then we, we do here have uh, a voicemail from great great fan of the podcast, Jackie. Stevens. Friend of the show. Friend, friend of the, the show, show. Jackie the show. Um, should we Should we take a listen to what she has to say about our Taylor Swift episode? Definitely. Please. Jackie here, friend of the podcast. Listen to your T Swift episode, and I got some some thoughts for you. Number one, Taylor Swift, not a fan. 1989 is the only album I can tolerate to listen to, so I appreciated the commentary on it. Thing number two, how dare you compare Taylor Swift's folklore to Lana Del Rey? That is blasphemy, and I will not stand for it. Number three, I think. Billie Eilish is great, but let's not forget that her success and dethroning Taylor Swift comes from the one and only Lana Del Rey and her previous albums that allowed for uh, alternative, if you will, music to become mainstream. So I'm deeply offended for multiple reasons, and you know why. Well, Jackie, that was just just brilliant. Perfect. Hey, maybe this is the episode that turns the tide and people decide that they're so furious with my nonsense or my, you know, lack of sanity that they, mm -hmm. they drop a voicemail and they tell me what's what. Maybe if we've done a service. That would be, I would love it. I hope. Thank you, Jackie, for starting the ball, ball rolling there. You're the real MVP um, here, Jackie. Yeah. Uh, and follow us on Instagram at late to the party 1989. Um, or yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I have a, we have, we have a decent manager of our social social means. Yeah, it's David. So, you know, <laughs> reach out to us when I, when our manager has time between classes, I guess. Uh, um, <laughs> David's wearing a tie. It's awesome. Yeah, you know. Um, and then email us too at link to the party 1989 at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, or send, love... send David a text. How weird yeah, if you, you, chances are you probably know who I am. So just, uh, <laughs> yeah. you probably have my number. So just text me or text Brandon directly and we will Don't text me. Uh, we'll, we'll read your text <laughs> in our voices um, or maybe we'll do our own voices of you. Um, what? We read them, so it could be a, like a whole event. Um, in the so show. Yeah. In the show. Uh, well, we can never can. Anyway. Bye, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening to us. Yeah, take it easy. Real easy. Relaxing, outcast is everlasting, not clashing, not at all. But see, my nigga went to do a little acting. Now that's for anyone asking. Give me one and pass them. Drip, drip, drop, there it goes an orgasm. Now you coming out the side of your face, be tapping right into your memory banks. Thanks. So click at the ticket, let's see your seatbelt fast and trunk.